please, for the love of God, do not go in with any bias. You have to be willing to test and identify maybe ways that you can improve your form or specific parts of your website. Welcome to Intended Consequences, a podcast from Conversion Sciences. I'm Brian Massey, and I believe that anyone is capable of using behavioral science to predict the success of their marketing campaigns. Marketing magic is real, and I'll teach you how to harness it. Brian and Jeffrey Eisenberg tell us that you can't read the label when you're inside the bottle. What does that mean? Well, it means that when we're too close to our business or too close to our website, we can't see it the way other people do. It's a nice way of saying that every marketer, every product manager, every web designer comes with their own set of biases. When you've been with a company for a while, you get inside the bottle. So how do we step out? How do we look at what we're doing to determine what's working? Well, we look at data. Today's guest has a tool that will help you climb outside of the bottle. Mouseflow is a class of software that we call user intelligence tools. The kinds of features a tool like Mouseflow brings to your site show you how users are interacting with the pages you designed. And you're going to be shocked when you put these tools on your site. These tools let us see how users are interacting with our pages. The Mouseflow reports show the people behind the numbers and it provides some intelligence to guide us. For example, it's looking for negative sessions, which could be excessive scrolling or abandoned carts, or even something called rage scrolling. Technically, we use the term click and then uh, click rage. So, you know, it's whenever a user excessively clicks on a button out of frustration, button doesn't work, something like that. In our conversation, I had the opportunity to share my experience on what can happen when a site bug goes unchecked. But it was in a session recording that we saw a really strange behavior in one kind of browser yeah. um, that we test for, but we didn't have the right versions. And so this, this browser was significant enough for us to test it, but we, it was in the session recording that we found this, as you were uh, entering the credit card, the waiting uh, icon would multiply itself out and out and out. You couldn't move forward. And we estimated that was a $1.2 million a year bug that they had had on the site. And finally, we explored how reports like heat maps are used. Well, some of the, uh, some of the things we like to answer questions with the heat map reports are, uh, what order should my navigation be in? So Absolutely. Something to more to the right is really hot on a horizontal or more lower on a, on a vertical menu uh, or selection list. One of our hypotheses becomes, let's move that to the left. So it's one of the first things they see. So they get, you know, the larger percentage of people get on the path that they're looking for. We love to look for hot spots on things that aren't clickable. Um, yeah. A lot of people will show images on the page sometimes as, as fillers and people will be clicking on those because they want to understand more about what that is communicating. And so two hypotheses that come from that is add a caption to it or take them someplace when uh, they click on that. The other thing is, of course, is are we driving them away from the page too soon before they've seen the content that will help persuade them to ultimately buy? All right. Now you're caught up. Let's dive into the point of the conversation where Evan shares with me the types of reports marketers should be looking at and stick around to learn how to actually make executives feel comfortable about the marketing decisions being made. 
So our geo heat map is a little different than the rest of our heat maps in that it shows where users are visiting your website from around the world. And I know the first thing that pops into your mind is data flag. You know, this is a privacy issue, whatever. And you're right, it is a privacy issue. So basically we can't pinpoint to the direct location anymore, but we can pinpoint to the general city just because that can't pinpoint to a specific person. So basically what I'd say our most common use case for our geo heat map is uh, one of our clients will filter our geo heat map for users or visitors who exited their checkout step three page or whatever, some, some, some page where they were super close to buying. Mm -hmm. So Exactly. And then you find those cities or those hotspots where those visitors are located. And then you launch like marketing campaigns back at those uh, specific regions to regrab those users to purchase. And obviously the platform will depend on what your service or product is, but that's probably the most common use case for our geo heat maps. Very interesting. Okay. Okay. Uh, what is the difference between movement and attention maps? So I'll give you our official technical jargon answer. So movement heat maps focus on where users navigate their mouse on your site. So it's a great measure of attention and engagement. And then our attention heat maps show you how much time users are spending on specific parts of your page. So, so it's showing you which parts of the page are the most and least actively engaged. And in terms of our under the hood algorithm, that plays into this, our, uh, our attention heat map really focuses on the average time spent on specific parts of the page, the average engagement level, and, and when I mean engagement, I'm, I'm talking clicking, and then our, uh, our view percentage. Because, just because you know, every, people are coming in from tons of different device types, whether it be iPads, small iPhones, maybe even Razer phones, you know, I, and so people don't always see like the full web page. Mm -hmm. So the attention heat map is really more focused on um, specific parts of the page. Okay. Let me uh, ask you about a recurring and difficult problem that you may or may not have solved. Yeah. Fly out menus or accordion text. Do you have any facilities for um, managing those sorts of things? Yeah, so <laughs> this is this is funny that you ask about that just because it comes up on a technical level <laughs> every single day with our engineering team. Short answer, yes, Mouseflow can record those and deal with them. I just know it requires a little bit of extra code and extra work from our end. And like I said, really recordings and heat maps are, are, are really the bread and butter of Mouseflow. I'll give you some internal stats. I think between recordings and heat maps, it's used by about 85% of our clients. Mm -hmm. So those are really the two most heavily used features. Our last three features, the third one is funnels. So this is tracking page to page analysis. Um, this is similar in many, in many other tools where basically you can just identify which visitors are you know, going through your purchase funnel, maybe your sign up funnel, whatever, whatever an important uh, process is on your website, and you can filter for which users are dropping out. Um, my favorite, my favorite use case with our funnels feature is filtering for different device types, different browsers, whenever there's an update to see if uh, there's, if, if there's errors that are being experienced by certain uh, uh, visitor types specifically. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's our third feature is our funnels feature. Our fourth feature is our forms feature. 
So think of like a contact form on your website, sign up form, checkout form. Basically, we monitor the form to form uh, results. So, you know, are, how long is it taking a person to fill out specific fields in your form? Is it causing users to stumble? Are they experiencing specific errors? Would you benefit by maybe reducing some of your form fields, maybe changing up the uh, text verbiage of some of your form fields? Um, you can filter for the filter those forms for JavaScript errors, all the different types of errors, friction that we listen for. It really it really gives you a broad. It obviously provides broad overview stats like conversion rates, average interaction rates, all that fun stuff. But yeah. it really shows you like on a on a grit nitty gritty level are users successfully interacting with your form and it allows you to identify maybe ways that you could improve your form experience. Well, and some things that you see, um, kind of mistakes that are made over and over in forms that will be exposed by the, the form analysis tools is doing a bad job with drop downs. So there's the drop down that has just too many things on it and that creates a cognitive load and that can make that a killer, like generate abandon in the middle of that form. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing is asking them to choose from a list of things and who they are is not on the list. Mm. So those are always really dangerous and we usually recommend, like, what is your role at the company? Uh, we recommend that we let them type in what their role at the company is because you're inevitably going to miss some people. Yeah. And then the other thing is communicating things that you didn't expect to communicate, such as... Yeah. Uh, how big is your company? Well, if you go from one to a thousand, a thousand to two thousand, two thousand to five thousand, the implication is that you don't do business with small businesses because mm -hmm. your, your smallest category is one to a thousand, and that may not be true at all. But your choice in the dropdown communicated something that you didn't want to see, and so these become evident when you say, "Wow, everyone who clicks on this dropdown abandons." Like. 50% of our people are getting that far and abandoning. Maybe we should go look at our choices in that part of the form. Yeah, this stuff, this stuff really fascinates me just because it's, it's psychological. It's, it's diving into the minds of, of your visitors. And I think, I think one thing that I always encourage people to do when they're using Mouseflow on your website is please, for the love of God, do not go in with any bias. You have to be willing to test and, uh, you know, identify maybe ways that you can improve your uh, form or specific parts of your website. You really need to go in without bias because like you said, sometimes you're um, unknowingly implicating certain, you know, forms of communication. You're saying certain things that you really don't expect to be saying. So I, I, I just, I, I would hope for every single Mouseflow user, every single one of them, that they go in with no bias. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the tool can be used as we'll talk about to both reinforce good decisions as well as uncover bad decisions in terms of your design, your copy, the experience that you're presenting to the user. I also wanted to mention one thing about the funnels. Um, a lot of our clients, even our big clients, and actually I might even say especially our big clients, have difficulty getting a good funnel report out of their analytics because mm -hmm. their analysis team has not set it up properly. This is a great way for you to do an end run around that the code is on the site, you can set up your own funnels and really be tracking, as you said, the different visitor experiences, different segments that are coming through. Um, and one of the things that I love about data is it, or the, the tools that are collecting the data is they let you get around IT roadblocks in mm -hmm. safe ways. 
So funnels, forms, and I think there's one more that- uh, Yeah, so the last feature is actually a little different than the rest of our features. It's called user feedback. So uh, this is commonly known as surveys. So basically, uh, this is a super valuable way of diving into the minds of your visitors. What's nice about it is it's not super invasive. I think uh, internally, we can say that users and visitors have responded really well to it. And I, I just think like sometimes we, as marketers and maybe as UX analysts, sometimes we just overthink this stuff. Sometimes we just need to ask our visitors what they want or what, or what, or what they want to see or, or what was confusing for them. Sometimes we just try and hypothesize all these different maybe scenarios as to why they're failing or whatever, but sometimes it's valuable just to directly ask your visitors. And it sounds so stupidly simple, but it, it has a huge impact. Any good stories? Uh, you, you, know, you talked about uh, customers finding um, broken things in their checkout process, broken head to cart buttons, oh my gosh. Yeah, um, yeah actually I have a really good story. Um, <laughs> And this is going to have to remain anonymous just because uh, this is obviously client confidential. So I can't, I can't share the client. That's name. absolutely fine. But there is a, a big e-commerce store in America that uses mouse flow. And this is actually what I was referring to previously in the call is that they were using mouse flow and they were recording a hundred percent of all visitor sessions. So lots of data coming in. We're talking millions and millions of sessions per month. Wow. And there was a pretty serious bug slash error that uh, was deployed live onto the website after um, they had finished a redesign by one of, the, one of their people internally. And Mouseflow picked it up and they had notifications, uh, you know, set to one of their product marketers uh, emails for, for when this JavaScript error would occur. And, you know, all of a sudden, 2 a.m., middle of the night, you know, Monday, Monday night, and their email just starts getting absolutely blown up. And, and it turned out that um, there was an add to cart button that wasn't working on like 40% of their product pages. It was a huge, uh-huh. huge, huge error. And I, I know this is very simplistically disastrous, but we estimated that it ended up being like a 400k revenue loss. So like a big, it, it ended up being a serious deal. And, it, and if it had got, you know, if it had gone further unnoticed, obviously this would have stretched into the millions. So yeah, yeah. Uh, that's just a, that's just a fun little story that I'd like to tell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, fun for, fun for us because it wasn't our business. Exactly. Exactly. Fun to talk about. <laughs> But you listening to this podcast, this could be happening right now somewhere on your site. Is there a, is there a bug that's affecting 2%, 5%, 10% of your visitors that you just would never know about otherwise? Um, I don't know of another tool that does this sort of JavaScript error tracking. And so this is very interesting to me. You can pull these uh, these reports, but we're talking about you know, dozens and dozens of pages typically. So how, what, what are some best practices for sharing this data with the rest of the organization? One thing that we love to do, and we've seen a lot of our clients do, is that, so recordings are really powerful. I, and I, I don't want to understate, understate that. The ability to watch a visitor and show where they're either succeeding or either where they're 
feeling in your funnel process is really, really powerful. So all of Mousel recordings can be shared in one of two ways. You can download it as an MP4 and share it over email, Slack, whatever, or you can simply share the URL. So if there's a specific recording where a user is trying to, let's use the classic e-commerce example, where a user is trying to check out and purchase a $1,000 item on your website and they're experiencing an error or they're confused by something, if those employees who are using Mouselow send that link of that session to their superiors and say, hey, look, this action or this part of the website cost us $1,000, just like that. And you know, there's probably a million more stories of this. That's really powerful. Money speaks. And, and it's identifying those parts of your website that may be causing issues for your visitors that you really want to focus on. This is all about studying user behavior and you know, really, really eliminating those uh, points of frustration, eliminating those pain points, eliminating those potential errors, eliminating where users may stumble. So we have this amazing meeting um, after we've started with a client. We've spent 30 to 40 days analyzing their stuff. We will have installed a tool like um, Mouseflow um, and gone through and watched the sessions. We will have uh, studied uh, specific pages that we have questions about. Like, for instance, we saw, uh, we often see pages that have a high exit percentage that shouldn't abandoning happening. Let's go and look at the sessions and the heat map reports on that page and see what's going on. But then we have this amazing meeting where we can say, all right, so there was this problem with the form and here's one recording that, it, 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 that illustrates that. We saw another 150 of these or whatever. And pulling heat maps into the, the presentation saying, here's what's wrong with this page. Your call to action is at the bottom and it's, completely blue black down there. In other words, only five or 10% of the scrollers are seeing it. We can show the different behaviors between desktop versus mobile. Mobile pages have lots of scroll because that thumb is so powerful on these small screen devices. And these kind of insights, one after another, deliver the most amazing experience because people, the, the management team, everybody who's looking at this, number one, they're already smart enough to know what these reports say. They don't need to be taught. Uh, visually, these reports communicate what they're supposed to communicate really, really well. And having these example uh, videos pulled in so that people can like, you know, that's whenever you see somebody struggling with the page, you just see heads around the room just drop. They're like, oh, I can't believe we're doing that to them. Because businesses, they do care about their visitors. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, would, I, I think that's one of the most exciting things about a marketer who finally grabs this tool, installs it, because they're about to, they're about to get the data they need to have a, some really, really interesting meetings. And one of, the, one of the things that we'll talk about here in the last few minutes that we've got is the, the obstacles that marketers face. And that executive who doesn't feel comfortable with the work that a marketer's done, because that marketer doesn't have any data, will come in and change things based on their experience with a the customer, their experience, or their own preference. In other words, executives are coming in with all of their biases and making changes to a campaign. And that's really frustrating to a marketer, marketing team who's worked hard on a redesign, who made a bunch of assumptions to have a sample size of one person come in and uh, upend those assumptions. So you want to talk about um, how uh, I, as a marketer, could use this tool to um, make my executives feel more comfortable about the decisions I've made? 
Yeah, I, w- I would reinforce it with with our recordings feature in in our heat maps. I would I would I would pinpoint and filter for clear examples of maybe where website redesigns or you know website tweakings went super well and and show them the reports show them the recordings of where users are successfully converting where users are not encountering frustration and and also show them examples of previous recordings in previous heat maps of where users were encountering frustration before a a website redesign or a, you know tweaking with the buttons or whatever you're testing i think showing clear examples of of, of this behavior speaking for itself is really valuable. I, but I completely agree with you. There's just too many cases where marketing managers are, um, or marketing professionals are really just hampered by superiors, I guess, for a lack of better terms with, with a lack of creativity and, and just a willingness to test, like test, test, test. Optimizely says that all the time. They're like, test, test, test everything you do. And I, I completely agree. Like we need to go in with no biases, no previous inclinations whatsoever. Yeah, and you, I think you hit on a really important point that we sometimes gets lost. Sometimes people don't hire us because they know that we're gonna come in with our critical eye and our experience, and we're gonna show a long list of things that need to be changed on the site, and it becomes overwhelming for them. But there's something to be said for installing this tool before you launch a redesign, and then going in and celebrating with heat maps and with session recordings where the redesign has really improved things. That's going to get the design team and the UX team more interested in working with you. Uh, it's going to uh, make your boss look good because he or she shepherded this, this fantastic redesign in. And then you can go and say, here's the next things we can be improving on. I think that that's my favorite insight from my conversation with you is celebrating the victories with data. That was Evan Hill with Mouseflow. He gave us a great overview of how their tool impacts marketers. But he also helped to shed light on how to think about analytics and the ultimate impact they can have on a business. All right, scientists, that's it for this week. 